Influencers, inspiration, and Instagram, Instagram, Instagram. This is Earned by Tribe Dynamics. Here's Connor Begley. Welcome to Earned, everyone. Thanks for joining again. Uh, Today, we're going to learn from one of the top five influencer marketers in the world, uh, by my estimation, Callum Watson. Thanks and welcome to the show, Callum. Cheers. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I think that (laughs) estimation might be a little bit (laughs) off in that sense, but no, I appreciate the intro. Thank you, mate. You might think, but not true. Um, So the uh, numbers that I was telling Callum about beforehand is that, well, so Gymshark is one of the top five brands that we track in the entire US by EMV. The brands that they are head of include Lululemon, Louis Vuitton, and Adidas, or Adidas for those in Europe. Uh, The numbers are are pretty mind-boggling, and they continue to head in the opposite direction, right? You're growing and these are not. And so I think you definitely deserve that title. Obviously, there's a lot of people that contribute to that number within Gymshark, um, including Ben, but um, it's you're, you're up there, mate. I know, I appreciate it. And again, yeah, it just talks back to the amazing work the guys in Gymshark are doing, you know what I mean? It's, uh, it's a massive accomplishment for them, but we're uh, by no means anywhere finished. We're just getting started. A lot of room, a lot of room. Um, well, let's let's start off with a current topic. So obviously, you know, I have a Peloton. Lots of people have a Peloton. Lots of people have had to figure out how to work out from home. I'm curious if that has, you know, that same trend has positively affected you guys. Obviously, you had the like home, was it home at 66 or something for 66, the 66 workout days from home. Um, how, how has that trend impacted you guys or, or has it actually hurt you? Uh yeah, it's obviously with everything that's happened in the last year, you know what I mean? Things have just been flipped upside down. For us as a brand, you know what I mean? We, we, we had to look at this situation and be like, right, how can we, how can we pivot and, and look to support as many people as possible and keep things moving forward? So I think we were quite lucky in a, in a time that where things were quite, uh, quite negative or quite impactful on a lot of people, not necessarily in the most positive way. We, we were quite fortunate to, to be able to, to keep growing and and benefit off the back of of the back of this kind of home workout drive. You know, I mean, a lot of people were started getting up and running their their couch to five k's and stuff like that. So for us, it was just a matter of, of pivoting to be able to to be able to distribute content and help people adapt to the new world that we're living in. So you would, yeah, like you've just mentioned, like Peloton have had an incredible. 12 to 18 months and they've seen this massive massive growth uh but equally for us like yeah a lot of things we did whether it was through influencer marketing or through the content around social media where we you know i mean when when lockdown became a thing you know i mean we we decided to change the name of our our twitter handle to home shark to help encourage people and remind people to stay at home so uh there's a there's a number of initiatives kind of that were set up off the back of this so we we realized we soon realized in our own backyard in our own industry with gyms closing down in the United Kingdom that there was a lot of personal trainers that would be out of work. So one of the the initiatives we jumped on to to set up was we uh, we we'd never been on Twitch before, so we we're like we we utilized that and we set up our Twitch uh, account. And what we did was we got in touch. We we reached out to lots of PTs and basically. We set up a live stream going from a, from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day for about three or four months where PTs, we'd book PTs in to run a, a, a 45 minute uh, to one hour session and we'd pay them the, the market rate. So 
there was opportunities for PTs to get a couple of hours a week on this live stream. So at least there's some form of in income coming in, but also gave them a chance to promote them and their online businesses to, to other people that would come in and take part in the, the workouts. So again, from that point of view, we're trying to get people to pivot and work out from home and participate in these classes, but equally we're trying to give PTs an opportunity to, to have some form of income coming in, seeing that, that gyms were closed. Uh, we also did a, a fundraising scheme for the, the NHS, which is like the, the, the British National uh, yeah. Health Health Service. Uh, so we're encouraging people to get out and you know, I mean, get sweaty and post their sweaty selfie. And for every every sweaty selfie we got on Instagram, we donate five uh, five pounds. I think we ended up raising about one hundred eighty thousand pounds, which was probably two two hundred ten two hundred twenty thousand uh, dollars for the NHS, uh, which was really cool. So and again, the whole we've seen we've seen the whole shift and pivoting content as well. So we had a roster of Gymshark athletes where. They, they were pivoting their content to, to provide a lot of uh, home workouts and and uh, and solutions. You know, I mean, if, if people didn't have dumbbells, you had your, your baked beans, your cans of baked beans, or your, <laughs> your, your your gallon jugs of water and stuff like that. So it was just, it wasn't ideal. Let's be honest. Like I, I myself personally, I, I'm not a fan of home workouts, so I, I was embracing the bulk as much as I could. But uh, I think yeah, it was just trying to be positive about them, just. Uh, make the most of the situation we're in just trying to push people to stay fit and healthy and, and stay on that journey because that's the most important thing it's like it's it's all about the journey you're on you know what I mean it doesn't matter if you're just starting or if I mean you feel you're you're coming towards the end and you have your six pack and physique or whatever like that you know what I mean everyone's on a journey and we just wanted to make sure that we could help support people continue on that journey to, to stay fit and healthy yeah I love that support that you provided back to the PTs, right? Because I think, you know, some of the elements that you've talked about before is community building, right? And I think that's mm -hmm. a concept we hear a lot about, but finding a way to drive value back to them, right? Not just see them as a way for you to drive sales or for you to drive exposure, but like this is a mutually beneficial relationship, right? We're here to help you as well. That's super cool. I had no idea that you guys had done that. And that's that's a serious operation doing, I mean, you, you started a television network, basically, like yeah. content, <laughs> content, you know, 12 hours a day, every day of the week. Yeah, the, 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 there was a lot of hiccups in the initial couple of days trying to get the, the Twitch streams set up with the broadcast, because then you're obviously having to get the PTs to, to set up onto the broadcast to then stream from their house onto the Gymshark Twitch. And yeah, it, it, yeah, it was it was one of, it was a couple of long nights, and I credit to to Elf and his team, and a special shout out to one of the guys, Tom, in in the social team, who really took the lead on that, and you know what I mean, he, he put he put countless hours into making that happen, so he he was really the true hero behind that. I have to give it to him. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I know about hiccups. I strongly encourage anybody who's <laughs> listening to this to not listen to my first few episodes. They're pretty brutal. They get better over time. I promise. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's, let's take a step back. I want people to get to know who you are, right? So, you know, growing up, um, you know, you studied uh, business and entrepreneurship, but you actually had a, an interest in history. Um, what, what made you, what, what drew you to history? Because honestly, I think history is one of the hardest things for me to get interested in. And I know it's really important. I know history repeats itself. It rhymes, right? But uh, what, what drew you to history in the first place? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh I think what drew me to history really was growing up just growing up in in, in Ireland and this and in the schooling system in Ireland you know what I mean the Irish have quite a quite a strong 
strong line of history, uh, you know I mean, over the last couple of hundred years from, you know I mean, the oppression with the, the British Empire through to the the mass migration of, of Irish citizens and over to the US because of the famine, you know what I mean? So like, we've got this really rich uh, and deep, you know I mean, sense of history within, within the Republic of Ireland. So I think a lot of that came from, there was all this, there was obviously this element of pride on my end of learning about my nation's history, but equally as well, I think, the more I, I learned about the, the history and, and how much had actually happened in the past, I think it just started developing that interest. And then you'd start going into looking at World War One, World War Two, And it, yeah, I don't know, I, I felt like just, I'm, I'm quite a curious person. And I feel like, I think a lot of people look at history as, you know, I mean, boring old textbooks, but actually there's so much incredible information. And if you have an element of curiosity, you know what I mean? When it comes to looking back in the past, you can find yourself for hours on end, learning about about other areas or events that's happened in the past. So I, I think for me, it was just it probably was just learning about my heritage, uh, the element of pride, and obviously all the incredible events that had happened in the past. That was just quite of interest to me. But then equally as well, when it came to school, I felt like because I was interested in it, I was I had this ability to remember a lot. So when it came to like exams and stuff like, that, I always scored quite high in history. Uh, so that probably helped kind of that probably pushed me towards lean, leaning towards doing history as a as a teacher or as a career uh, just because it was something I was good at and something I was interested at but then obviously there was a bit of a moment which led me to, to go to business management and entrepreneurship I was like it was coming close to the deadline so like in Ireland when you when you're finishing high school you have to submit your CAO application that's basically your your preferred uh, college courses that you want to do and which colleges. And once you hit a deadline, you can't change it. You have to wait another year. And I was getting to like, I think it was like five, 10 minutes before the, the CAO deadline. I was kind of like, to my, I kind of had like that moment where I was kind of like, oh God, is this really what I want to do for the rest of my life? Because I'm going to have to go to, to <laughs> college for the next four years. Like, shit, is this really what I want to do? So uh, literally last minute, I was, just, I was just thinking, I was talking to my mom. I was like, I don't know, like not to take away from being a teacher or whatever you know I mean they do a, a phenomenal job but I was like I think I think back then I was like you know what no I, I kind of want to I want to I want to see how successful I can be and, and I think back then as well I would have been thinking about the money side of things you know what I mean just being a, a young teenager as well so I was like you know what what's going to make me money and then then I was like you know what I want to be an entrepreneur I want to be a businessman so <laughs> like literally five minutes before the deadline I found that business uh, management and entrepreneurship course I seen entrepreneurship as like I want to be an entrepreneur so I signed up and did that <laughs> uh, and to be fair it's one of the best decisions I've ever made you know what I mean in the, yeah, in the grand yeah. scheme of things when I went on to do that course uh, I learned so much and obviously inevitably that's that's led me to work for this amazing brand and yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> I mean those little decisions, right? Like I, I was uh, similar, right? I was graduating from high school and deciding where I wanted to go to school, and I'd filled out all the forms for this other school, right? It's a school called UC Santa Barbara, and it is a dream school. Like it is on the beach, beautiful weather every day, great educational system, right? Uh, and then. And, and the other school I was considering, which is the school I ended up going to, was uh, the school that my mom, dad, aunt, uncle, grandma, grandpa had all gone to this same school, which I think was part of the reason that I didn't want to go there. And then I had, so I had all the forms filled out and all I had to do was click the button to like submit to go to this school. And at the last second, I ended up doing some research and was like, no, like I'm going to the other school. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and, and you know, I, I met my wife there. 
I met now my business partner there, right? Like that's, so if I hadn't made, like I was one click away, like literally just click, move on, you know, move on with life. And uh, my life would have been totally different, right? So Crazy, it's, it? uh, yeah. And then on the history side, as I'm sure you can tell, my first name is actually quite Irish. It is um, so I, uh, the way I've found consuming history for me to be the most effective is I really like the historical fiction genre, right? Which is like, you're reading a story about that time that, you know, helps you get insight into what it was like, but it is also fictional in nature. So it's kind of got some of that to it. And that's actually what I was named after. There's a book called Trinity uh, by Leon uh, Uris, who uh, I was named after. And turns out there's a lot of us. We're all, there's like Facebook groups I've been invited to that are like, were you named after Connor? I can't remember his last name. So, uh, and it's a historical fiction. So it's, yeah. Um, cool, man, that's cool. Well, let's, yeah, let's keep going. So, you know, after uni, right, you went to my protein. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things that we talked about, and then you ran the influencer program there. And there's a whole story there that I'd love to, you know, we can we can talk about. But one of the things that I think is really interesting that we talk a lot about when it comes to success in the influencer space is that relationships travel, right? So the relationships that you build at one company will come with you, just like the relationships you would build with, you know, the editor of a magazine, or, or otherwise, were you able to, did any of those relationships come with you when you came to Gymshark or was it kind of starting from, from ground zero? Uh, no, I, I think, I think you're, you're spot on. I think re- relationships can travel. I think, I think a lot of it comes down to the, the time and effort you put into it and ultimately the respect you, you put out into the world. So like the, the kind of the one thing I always had grown up and you know, I mean, my mom would, my mom would always be saying to me, it's kind of like, give people the level of respect that you wish to get back. Uh, mm-hmm. and, I, and I feel like that's obviously, you know, I mean, it's one of those those lessons you, you learn growing up that you take into it. And especially because I'd moved over to a different country, you know, I mean, I didn't know anybody. I went over on my own. So it was kind of like, you're almost having to make an extra effort to, to, to networking and build up the, your network around you and, and, you know, making friends and stuff like that. So I think I was very lucky in the sense that I, I got to meet a lot of incredible people. Uh, but also along the way as well at the start of my career, you also get to learn about different people as well. You know what I mean? Whether people who had let you down or people who had kind of gone behind your back or people who had offered false promises. So you, you learn both sides of the, of the, of the mm-hmm. scale almost. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I made a lot of amazing connections and friendships at my days at my protein. And you know I mean, some were with, you know I mean, the staff were a perfect example is Ash Wilson, who was mm-hmm. my old boss at my protein. Uh, I'd I'd gone to Gymshark and probably about six months later he had followed me down uh, to I remember he he was still at my protein I think I'd just been to the Nikki Blackheader season two pop up store in LA uh, so I'm over in LA with with Ben Noel Mitch and the gang for for the Nikki pop up store and there's queues wrapped around the block and we're there with all the athletes and I mean having an amazing time and. He's sitting back there in Manchester at his desk, looking at looking at his mate. You know what I mean, living living the high life. <laughs> as what you, you know, the high life is what you would see on Instagram. Obviously, yeah, it's not yeah, necessarily yeah, it. But uh, yeah, I yeah. got back from I got back from LA, and you know, I mean, I, I drove up to Manchester to catch up with him because I'd still go up to Manchester to catch up with him, and we get a li- get a lift in and just chat because like he'd kind of almost become my big brother when I was over in the UK, uh, and and one of my best friends. So 
we'd be catching up and he'd be like, man, I'm so jealous. Like, you know, I mean, Gymshark, because when we were at my pro team, we always looked at Gymshark. Gymshark's the A side, it's the A team, you know what I mean, in the fitness yeah, industry. Yeah. So we were always looking at Gymshark being like, oh, you know, I mean, look at all those, like Steve Cook, Whitney Simmons, like, how can we do that? Or how can we do something like on their level? So like we were always like both fans of the brand, and then obviously I was working there, and he was like, "Man, I'm so jealous of you." So on, and so on, so on. And then it, I think it got to a point with him and his career. I remember at like eleven o'clock in the evening one night, I just got a phone call from him. He's like, he's like, set up the meeting, please. He's like, I, 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 he's like, I want a conversation with it's, the guys. It's so, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I, I called uh, Noel straight away. I said, "Listen, look, you know, I mean, this this guy especially, he's 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 incredible. What he's doing, I've learned a lot from him." And I was like, genuinely. He'll he'll do big things here at this brand. I was like, just just get in front of him, sit down, and have a conversation with him. And and yeah, the the following week, Ash drove down to to Redditch and Birmingham, met with Ben and Noel. They had a, a good conversation, and yeah, and then here he, he he's here now. He's he's heading up our campaign and creative uh, department, and so all the all the incredible creative campaigns that, and content you would have seen coming out of the Gymshark channels over the last couple of years. You know, I mean, that comes down to to him and his team. So they've done a phenomenal job. So. So yeah, no, you know what I mean, and we're we're still best friends to this day. You know what I mean? It's it's incredible. That's he's so cool. he's on his way to to becoming a, a dad now this year and stuff like that. So it's 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 crazy. We we often sit back and reflect on kind of our days up in Manchester to where we are now in Birmingham and how grateful we are and how how our lives are changing. You know what I mean? It's it's yeah, it's amazing. So it's yeah, definitely worth. You know, I mean, when it comes to carrying relations on those ones that you you, you build strong connections with, don't let go and you know what I mean, keep them close to you. Yeah, I've the phrase I always really liked was um, it's fun to look around and realize that your friends are becoming badasses, right? Like, whoa, like look at what so and so is doing. Like, there's a kid I know in high school who's like a neurosurgeon now. It's like, mm. what the fuck? Like, that's it's it's cool, and I think that's you know that happens obviously with age, right? Like, we're getting to that point where people had enough time in their careers to accomplish just really really cool stuff, even yeah. in a short period of time. The the one thing that always stuck with me, and and especially since since being at gym, coming to Gymshack, it's it's surrounding yourself with like minded individuals. Like I always say, like and the one thing I've learned is like surround yourself with people that will go above and beyond for you, but equally they'll challenge you and push you. And I feel like mm-hmm. I've been very very lucky to have those people around me. So I'm I'm in a position where I'm not afraid to fail and I'm not afraid to try think try new things and really push the boundaries, but because I know I have people who will support me and they have my back, but equally I have people who will challenge me and will be brutally honest with me uh, and keep pushing me to be, to be better every day. So I think if there's one thing people can take away from it is you surround yourself with like-minded individuals that are gonna keep pushing you. Yeah, there's a really good book called Founder's Dilemma where he looks at, I think it's like 10,000 different companies and then looks at the initial formation of that team, right? And, uh, and then sees what predicts success. And one of the things that they look at is what is the pre-existing relationship before you start a company? So are you friends? Are you family? Were you former coworkers? Or were you just acquaintances, right? You didn't know each mm-hmm. other. And then you look at success rate, right? The highest success rate is um, former coworkers, right? So if you work together in the past and you choose to work together again, you're the most likely to be successful. Then it's friends, then it's random acquaintances, then it's family, right? At the bottom of the list in terms of who most frequently is successful. And the thing that he looks at 
is, okay, well, why are friends less successful than former coworkers? And he's like, well, the problem with friendship is like when you go into a business and you're friends before, you, know, you have that relationship and you don't want to hurt it. Right, so you're more, you're less likely to give people the feedback that they need on how to get better, versus former coworkers. You're used to that kind of feedback loop, and then with family, it's even worse than that, right? Because you're like, okay, I don't want to tell this person they're bad at their job because they're my family, right? And so we had a conversation early on, John and I, where I was like, hey, we've got to be John's my co-founder. Like, we have to be honest with each other. Like, you have to give me feedback if things aren't working, and I'm gonna be good at accepting it, right? So I'm uh, I'm 100 in line. You have to be able to get that kind of feedback, otherwise, you know, you end up in an emperor's clothes situation, right? You're naked and you don't know it. So yeah, absolutely. Especially like the family thing, I couldn't even imagine that. Just because there's that emotional uh, element as well, isn't it? Because again, it is family. But yeah, I, I think you've hit the nail on the head, and and even just how you list them out, like, and you you, you try take what you've just listed and you apply it to your own personal life, and you're looking at different relationships, and yeah, it, it's yeah, it's very true. Yeah. So let's talk about one of those people, right? So Ben founded it, right? Long time ago when he was a young kid. Mm-hmm. And I think, and, and you know, now it's been valued for those that don't know, got valued at a billion pounds. So you're thinking about 1.2, $1.3 billion, depending upon the exchange rate. Um, and I think, you know, and he continues to lead the company. Um, and I think one of the things that I've heard talked about that I really like is that um, often founders can't scale with the business, right? So the business basically outgrows you, and it doesn't seem like it's outgrown him. What do you What do you think has you know how has what has he done that's allowed him to continue to scale with a business that's just you know way beyond what somebody his age would typically be handling? I, th- I think one of the I think there's two things. I think Ben's self awareness and his humility is on a whole new level. So I think as Gymshark began to grow uh, and started hitting this rapid growth a couple of years ago when Ben was CEO, I think Ben had that level of, of self-awareness and humility to be able to bring in Steve Hewis and Paul Richardson yep. in to kind of take the reins of the company and, and help put the foundations in to allow it to come to the next level. So I think the reason why Ben's been able to continue to grow with, with Gymshark is, is, is his self-awareness. It's his humility. He's he's so humble in his approach. But equally as well, I think it goes back to the point I was saying, he's surrounded himself with really great people that are constantly challenging him every day, but also there to push him to be to be the next best possible person he can be, you know what I mean? And and really help grow Gymshack into becoming the biggest and best brand in the world. So I think it's probably a combination of those three things, yeah. Self awareness, humility and then it's it's you know I mean his his inner circle, that those people he has, you know what I mean? I think we're very lucky to have someone like Steve Hewitt, who's the the CEO of Gymshark. Like, I, I don't think there's many, if any, CEOs out there in the world like like Stephen is in his approach, his his humility, his approachability. You know what I mean? And and he obviously works very closely with Ben, uh, almost as a mentor as well. So there's this, yeah, there's this really good dynamic within the senior leadership at Gymshark to uh, to allow Ben to do his role as founder. Uh, but equally, Ben is so self-aware that he gives, he, he's brought in people and given them the autonomy to, to do what they need to do. You know what I mean? So yep. like when I when I joined uh, Gymshark and I came in as, as the sponsorship manager and there was eventually that opportunity for me to come in and, and head up the sponsorship team, it wasn't a case of Ben needs to be involved in everything. It was, do you know what? You're the best person for this job. You know it better yep. than I do. Here you go, you, you run with that. I'm always here to support you, whatever you may need. Mm-hmm. But you have the autonomy to do what you know, what you do best, and I think that's so important. And I think that's 
from all the conversations and the people you network, I feel like that's probably one of the things that a lot of founders or businesses don't necessarily understand. Because equally, you see a lot, you see it in a lot of businesses, and I've already seen it in past businesses that I work for that as a company scales and grows, sometimes the company will maybe take a certain element from you and your department only to give give someone that focus so you can do less better. And sometimes I think people will, will look at that in a negative way, be like, oh, you're taking stuff away from me. But yeah, equally, they might be taking stuff away from you so you can do a really good job of one thing rather than a mediocre yes. job of multiple things. Uh, so I think that always talks back to like how, how Ben's been able to grow with the company. It's rather than trying to hold on to everything, it's, you know I mean, if I'm not the best person for this, let's find the best person for it and let them let them run with it. It's a super hard thing to learn. I mean, yeah. because, you know, one, it's typically like, you know, I can talk from personal experience. It's usually almost all of your material wealth, right, is in this one business. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you started there at the beginning, so you're very invested in the problem. Um, and so, you know, being able to be hands-off is difficult and being able to focus is difficult. I mean, we had, this happened with us about two years ago, and those that have listened to other podcasts are going to get annoyed at hearing this again, but... Um, we, you know, I was traveling probably 40% of the time. So I wasn't in office and I also had about 60 or 70% of the company reporting into me. Right. And so, and the problem was I was never there because when I was traveling, I was not available. And yeah. so, and on top of that, you know, my co-founder who led the other half, John, um, you know, he would, uh, you know, try and step in, but he didn't have any context, right. For like, Hey, you've got this problem. I'm trying to solve it. I don't know what, what the context is of this scenario. And so we made a pivot about two years ago to have him focus entirely internally and to have me focus entirely externally. And it took time to kind of grow, but now it's like so cool. Like I spend so much time like doing the podcast, we've got Clubhouse, I'm meeting with clients, I'm doing press, I'm doing all this stuff that um, that's just allowing me to do what I'm good at, right? And also allowing other people to do what they're good at. And so it's been, uh, it's a tough thing to learn. Right, but that's yeah. cool that, that he figured it out so early. So here's a question for you. Turn the podcast. Yeah, go for it. Uh, yeah. What, what what was the biggest battle you faced then within those first couple of months doing that? I mean, honestly, it's just an ego thing, right? Yeah. It's like saying, like, hey, I'm gonna take sixty percent of the company that's reporting to me and they're not gonna report to me anymore, right? They're all gonna report to John. And so that was you know, that's a big ego thing. Uh, but I think that knowing the thing that really got me through it and that I have advised other people on, and I've heard it described in a variety of different ways, right? Um, the way that always seems easiest um, is people have superpowers, right? And they have weaknesses, right? They have your kryptonite and you have your things that you're incredibly good at. And there are certain things in the world that I'm going to be, I have a chance of being in the top 1% of anybody in the world at doing this or higher, right? And so I want to focus on those things where I can be so much better than everybody else that like if I put time, effort, focus into it, um, the results are going to be really strong, right? Like I remember I, you know, I do a lot of speaking and I was like, I'm going to get a speech coach. And people are like, why? Like you're a good speaker. I'm like, because I want to get better. Like this is something that I'm inherently really good at. Ironically, I didn't even end up liking this speech coach and they gave me a lot of bad advice, but like it doesn't really matter, right? Not yeah. the point. So uh, I think ego was the hardest part for sure. Um, Cause that's what you're told is like managing people is, you know, is success. And, uh, and I don't think it always has to be. So no. yeah. That's cool, man. No, I, I respect that. Uh, I think a lot of people get a lot of value from that. Yeah, no, it's cool. It's, uh, 
I mean, our company's doing really well and I've never been happier in terms of the, as well as, anyways, let's keep going. Let's talk about you. So for you, I mean, let's talk about you for growth, right? Like, you know, obviously Ben had to scale, you had to scale too. The company today is much different than it was when you joined. What were some of your growing pains? What were some of the hardest things for you during that growth period? Yeah, it's a really good question. Uh, I think number one, fundamentally, because the company was growing so quickly, so many opportunities were coming and you know what? Sometimes, like, we had some of the biggest fitness influencers and some like massive, massive names reach out to us on social media. And like, I think sometimes as well is, is knowing when to say no. Uh, so I think for us as a brand and as a, as a program with influencer marketing, it was really kind of, when you're experiencing such rapid growth, it's, it's, it's making sure that you don't get distracted and you don't drift off and you stay true to your purpose and stay true to, to what your, your, your North Star is. So that's probably been one of the biggest difficulties we've had with all these amazing opportunities. And you, you'd have big celebrities or sports teams and franchises reaching out, wanting to work with you. And it's kind of like, these are all amazing opportunities, but does that, tie back to what our purpose is does that you know, I mean does that tie back to what the like does that help us reach our north star and so, so I think yes yeah, st- stay staying on course has probably been one of the biggest challenges uh the other the other one as well is is kind of like when you work with influencers you're, you're working with people and I think a lot of a lot of businesses and companies don't necessarily understand or realize that you know what I mean I think a lot of companies when it comes to influencer marketing it's it's very transactional and it's uh we pay you X, you do Y, uh, and that's not how we do things at Gymshack. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's all about a, it's a mutually beneficial partnership. It's what can we do to help you and give you value of you being associated with Gymshack? You know what I mean? What can we do to help you? And equally, I mean, this is how we see you helping us as a brand. So mm-hmm. it's it's making sure that as the as the landscape be, as gets more and more competitive, you know what I mean? It's how do we constantly evolve our offering and and keep keep close relationships with all of our athletes because and and how do we keep offering offering value to them how do we help them set up their own businesses help them with their personal branding giving them opportunities camera equipment all that sort of stuff so it's, it's always just constantly how can we keep offering value to 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 the people we work with and, and staying ahead of the curve as well because it is. It's one of those things. There's a lot of companies out there that will look to Gymshark as to what are they doing, what are they going to do next. So I say that's the other thing is, is, is staying ahead of the curve, keeping your ears to the ground, and and uh, and constantly pivoting when you need to. You know what I mean? It's. I think we're very lucky as a business. We're quite agile. You know what I mean? And a lot of people will compare us to the likes of Nike, Lulu, Under Armour, Adidas, those big big apparel brands. And you know what I mean? That's. You mean we're on our on our way to hopefully one day becoming a, an apparel brand of, of of that that capacity and size, but I think the the one advantage we probably have over those companies is how agile we are as a as a brand and as a business. So, uh, but with that being said as well, there's there's always loads of challenges there. How you, you have to be you have to continue <laughs> to be scrappy and, and entrepreneurial with yeah. your approach, and it's kind of always that battle between how much red tape and processes are are involved internally. Uh, Throughout, throughout departments and how you do things so uh, I think a lot of it's just naturally growing pains isn't it as, as, as a company grows but I think we've experienced a lot of growing pains very quickly because of the growth <laughs> of the company so it's yeah there's, there's, yeah, you can't really pinpoint one or two massive growth pains I think 
a lot of it's it pretty... just feels like a, a growth pain all the time right like <laughs> yeah. when you're growing that yeah. fast you're just like you're just going from one pain point to the next like oh you, god you put fix one this. fire oh, out. god fix that you put one fire <laughs> out you, you put one fire out you're like whoo and then all of a sudden over your shoulder you're like oh, oh shit there's another fire and you're going to put that one out but uh but again that's that's the fun thing about it you know what i mean it's you know you have all these cliches but like oh you know every day is different at work and stuff like that and and you know what in a lot of sense uh there's there's probably a lot of jobs and companies out there that have that but like i feel like i can truly say like no day is the same you know what i mean i get to work with a lot of incredible individuals on quite a regular basis so that element is quite the the same for me which i love because mm-hmm. again like i said i work with people who challenge me every day but equally i, I work with people that I've got to see and help grow as well, which is amazing. You know what I mean? There's so many incredible minds at Gymshark, honestly. So many amazing minds. Uh, and and that's, that's just been an incredible thing to, to be a part of as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, the, you're, you're, you know, the, the way I've heard it described. So when we first started Tribe, you know, John and I were like 24, 25 years old, right? So it, all, all things considered pretty young. Not as young as yeah. you, but pretty young. And... Uh, yeah, it felt like things were on fire. And Steve, who's on our board, who's, you know, been a CFO for 20, 25 years, you know, has seen a lot. He's like, guys, he's like, this is how it is at every company. He's like, it's always, he's like, it's like a duck on the water. He's like, you look at your competitors and all you see is above the water. They're just like swimming along. He's like, but underneath, they're like furiously kicking. Yeah. He's like, and that is every single company. Yeah. They're all like that. <laughs> it, it's that so whole it's, iceberg uh, analogy, isn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's what you yeah. eat. All you see is above water, but then under the water, there's this huge iceberg that it's just things just you never see. Yeah. Let's talk about your athletes for a second. You mentioned them there. I mean, that's a pretty big part of your, your program, right? And yeah. I think what's interesting for me when you, um, when you talk about them and from my observation is you're approaching it very differently than a lot of the brands, right? And a lot of the, more, the, the kind of newer brands. And what I mean by that is one of the biggest mistakes that we see is brands come in and they treat it like a media buy, right? Like I'm going to find these athletes, I'm going to pay them or these influencers, I'm going to pay them to talk about me and then I'm going to move on to the next set and the next set and the next set and the next set versus, you know, the Nike or Nike model, right? Where it's like, hey, we're partnering with LeBron for the rest of his life. Like it's going to be that long. Like that's how long the partnership is. And it seems like you guys are modeling yourselves off of that much more than the former, right? Is that, how do you think about that in terms of your your relationships with them? Yeah, it's an interesting one because like those different models that you talk about, it's like, I feel like a lot of brands are pivoting towards the long-term uh, ambassadorship model now because of mm-hmm. the the competitive landscape that it is but like I feel like again going back to like Ben was definitely one of the pioneers of influencer marketing eight years ago when he started like just reaching out to his favorite YouTubers and in, in like uh, the small fitness community and I think it really to be honest it, it really derived from that you know what I mean it was building relationships with people who who believed in the brand and that kind of went from finding people who had an influence that were passionate about the brand and advocates about the brand and wanted to help grow the brand that developed into these long-term partnerships and i feel like that was the we, we talk like we we are a community brand we're a human brand and we we are one of the key focuses for us has always been about the gymshack community and growing the community and for us to just have loads of little small partnerships here, there and everywhere over the last couple of years, it wouldn't have been authentic in that sense. So it's kind of like, we kind of stumbled upon long-term partnerships back when long-term partnerships 
weren't necessarily a thing within influencer space. It was long-term mm-hmm. partnerships with professional sports stars, which are with your Adidas yeah. and Nike and stuff like that. And then on the in the influencer space, it was just like one one-off posts. But then what we realized was, in order to bring people into your community and do it in an authentic way, there needs to be that 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 time to build that connection with them. It needs you need that time to build that rapport with them. So. That's that's why you know, I mean it's part of the reason why we've been able to build this amazing community is because of all these long term ambassadors and, and athletes that we've had on board. They've brought their community on the journey with them and integrated their community as a part of the Gymshark community. So I think you could look at it, we've probably taken the best of both worlds. You know, I mean, we haven't signed anyone on a lifetime agreement like Nike have. But again, anyone we, we want to work with, we want to invest in them. You know what I mean? It's not just a, a transactional, we pay you X and you do Y. You know what I mean? If, if we're going to do this together, we're in it together. And let's, let's, let's focus on the long term. Give them the financial security that they deserve. And equally, we know it takes more than just a couple of posts to, uh, to bring someone into our community. So, but then that's not to say ex- as we. I'm excited as, for your first, I'm excited for your first lifetime partnership. I think it will happen before this is all said and done. But that's yeah, just my prediction. You keep yeah, you keep who going. <laughs> who knows? Uh, but but then again, that's that's not to say that short term partnerships don't have a, have a play. They yep. don't have a, a role in in building up your ecosystem, building up your community. You know what I mean? So I think yeah, long term, short term, they all have their own benefits. I think the the objectives and the goals need to be quite quite specific and 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 determined before you jump into it. But uh, but yeah, we. we I, I truly believe in long-term partnerships. And again, like I said, it's you're, you're, you're working with humans here. You know what I mean? You're, you're dealing with yep. humans here. And, and, and influencers, athletes, you know I mean, they're so powerful. And if, and if they truly believe in something, their community will buy into it and their community will back them and, and, and believe in it. And, and that's one of the things we, we've, we've always tried to focus on as well is like, like I said to you, we've had like some massive, massive names reach out before to us, but like, they always just saw it as a paycheck or, you know what I mean, or a bit of clout yep, to be working yep. with a brand like ours. And I th- like, I'm, I'm comfortable and, and happy to say that like anyone who we work with, all of our athletes, ambassadors, they're 100% bought into the brand. They want to see Gymshark go on and do incredible things. They genuinely believe in what we're, we're setting out to achieve and, and what our goals and North Star is. So that that's one of the that forms a bit an even bigger part of what we do. You know what I mean? That ev- everyone that represents the brand genuinely believes in it. Uh, and that's through that that's true advocacy and you can't get more authentic than that yeah a hundred percent um as it's the thing that i like right so the one of the best parts about doing this podcast is you know we have theories right so we observe like oh wow mm. gymshark is significantly outpacing adidas right um and then we talk to you guys and it's like yep our what we thought was working is working right like this is the approach that works now obviously there's different flavors um and but it's just so cool it's so cool to have that validated um so let's talk about community building from an international perspective right so yeah i understand how you built it in the uk because of course you know ben started it just started working with these people it grew over time um but you know you're you are personally in the us for a reason right now um, and it seems like from the numbers that we see, the U.S. is growing really quickly for you guys, uh, at least from an EMV perspective. How did you go about building community kind of in these other regions? And it can it, in, I know you're in other regions as well. Mm-hmm. Like, how did you think about that? How did you initially start to seed the relationships out here? 
I, th I think this again this this came back to to the early days of Gymshark even before myself and the the early days of when Ben was sending out product to Ogus, Lovato, Lex, Nikki Blackheader and you know, I mean the, the the original Gymshark athletes and it's one of these things with social media as well is like uh, these guys have have followers all over the world and I think it was it was only until like Gymshark went to its first body parents in 2014 and we flew, uh, the guys flew August, Jeff Said, Lovato, all the guys, like these guys over from the US and they had Lex come down from uh, from up north in the UK and then Alan Gaboy for, from Germany. And at this expo, nobody realized actually how passionate and how big these guys' communities were until they got to the expo, until they, you know I mean, they'd, they'd sold out at, at the body power. And then, I think that kind of stemmed on the idea for Ben and the guys to be like, you know what, actually, let's go, let's try out some of these other expos. Uh, and obviously you have the LA Fit Expo uh, normally on a, in, a, in January every year and you have the Olympia. So the guys went on a bit of a world tour at these different expos. And to be honest, I don't think we realised the the community or the audience we had in the US until we went there. And when, when the guys went to the LA Fit Expo and you had these six-hour queues, people swarming around the stand, and I think what then they realised is like, through influencer marketing, we've been able to put our product out in front of these different audiences all over the world. So yeah. I think you have a, obviously, I mean, in today's world as well, you have your paid media strategies and you can target people in uh, Nebraska, for example. But <laughs> I, think, I think organically, the brand was growing through the use of influencer marketing and through the combination yep. of influencer marketing and then Gymshark's own social profiles. I think that really started gaining that organic traction. And I don't, yeah, it wasn't really, uh, it wasn't really like verified or validated until the guys went over for the LA Fit Expo and seen thousands of kids turning up to the Gymshark stand and all the other stands were just like, of the supplement stands were just empty. So. I think yeah, I think that you know what I mean, you, you, and I suppose advice to other other brands and businesses out there if they're looking at targeting specific markets, it's kind of like it's looking at people who who are relevant within those markets and have have an audience and engaged audience in those markets. It's like you can't be super super targeted to a certain extent, uh, but if 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 you're looking to drive that like organic growth, it's 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 creating authentic and engaging content with those influencers and then being consistent across your channels as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I think we tell people a lot, you know, because there's all kinds of ways that you can target people. You can target them based on audience demographics, audience location, whatever. And the thing that we really focus on is like, this is all about passion, right? Wherever this person is, if they've got a lot of passion for your category and really passionate mm -hmm. about your brand, that's a good person for you to work with. They can be based in the Netherlands if they've got a really big audience, right, they're gonna have an impact globally, not just in the Netherlands. Because yeah. the internet isn't regional, right? Like, if you speak, the biggest thing is just language, right? If you speak English, you're gonna have an impact in all the countries that speak English. If you speak Spanish, you're gonna have an impact in the countries that speak Spanish. Like, that's, that's the one barrier we found, where like, people don't like watching translated videos all that much. But, um, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a total side benefit of this influencer space, is how much easier it makes uh, global expansion. Yeah, that's it. And like, I think like one of the perfect examples was when, what was it? When Logan Paul went to Dubai, I, I think something like twenty thousand people turned up at the the Mall of Dubai, uh, just 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 to to see Logan Paul. I was like, this is just like this is a kid who was putting up YouTube videos from from the US. You know what I mean? So, I think yeah, I think it's a, it's if people can understand that you know, I mean the internet doesn't have barriers, 
I think there's tools that you can leverage, of course, from a like a paid media perspective to be more targeted. But when it comes to influencer space, it's like that. Yeah, they 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 can be from Dublin, Ireland, but have have a global audience, and that's kind of the. I suppose that's the interesting but fun part of it as well is actually seeing where where they resonate and kind of what the surprises can be when they 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 turn up in a certain uh, location or a certain city or country. Yeah. So you mentioned organic earlier, and I'd be curious to get your perspective here, right? Because when we measure the data, mm-hmm. you'll look at 90% of the content, 95% of the content created about Gymshark is organic, just by the influencers, let alone the consumers. And of course, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of time and effort and money spent on paid relationships. How do you guys think about balancing those two? And then how do you think about when you're thinking about who you want to bring on as a paid partner, what are some of the criteria that you guys use when you're, when you're thinking about that? Yeah, it's a really good question. Uh, it's it's one of those things. It's like we 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 look at it like an ecosystem. You know what I mean? It's like this mm-hmm. this entire ecosystem surrounding Gymshark. Uh, it's like it's one of those things, right? Not we 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 tend to to keep the 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 ambassador slash athlete roster relatively exclusive. We bring on X amount of people mm-hmm. per year because. There, there is that prestige associated with being a part of Gymshark or being a Gymshark athlete. So we're quite, yep. we're quite, not limited, but we, we, we tend to, to, to keep to, to a certain amount of, of people every year. Uh, but then that, the, the issue is if we were just to, to focus on that, you kind of shoot yourself in the foot because there's so many amazing creators out there in the world to, uh, that we'd be missing out on. So, you know what I mean? Stefan and our PR team have this incredible, like this, this incredible seeding strategy, and you know, I mean, those are the those are the guys and girls who are out networking, those social butterflies, and you know, I mean, they're 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 amazing at what they do, and you know, I mean, they can truly bring people into the Gymshark bubble and fall in love with the brand and and build this advocacy because again, it's just genuine, authentic approach. You know what I mean? And I think that talks back to anyone who works at Gymshark. You know what I mean? It's it's just authentic people you know I mean genuine people who want to want to see the brand do better so like our PR team are, have this really successful seeding strategy but then equally going back to like the long term side of things sit with our athletes uh, our athlete roster but then equally you know I mean you can leverage the short term partnerships on a more campaign basis or strategic level and that's where Sophie and our influencer marketing team do an amazing job of, of creating authentic and engaging content that drives value uh, so it's it's like yeah yeah you kind of have to look at it like an ecosystem you know what I mean, and every partnership every activation has to have a purpose. I think like you and I were talking about like some of the say you look at fashion brands or or uh, other retail brands out there and do you know what sometimes it's just brand awareness for them to focus on brand awareness get your product yeah. out in front of as many people and as many cool kids as possible and with with everything that's going on with culture social media if you get the cool kids in your product you know what I mean. There's, there's a really good opportunity of that to pick up. Like, you look at like look at essentials at the moment. Everybody wants an essentials tracksuit, <laughs> and it's not because. And this is not to take credit away from essentials. It's not because they've yeah. done anything incredible. It's a tracksuit, but they've done a really good job of marketing the tracksuit and putting it on culturally relevant people who are super influential and super cool. And then all of a sudden, and it, the, don't get me wrong, the products look dope as well. But then everybody wants one, you know what I mean? And they create yeah, the scarcity right. model where it sells out and they're reselling on StockX for four times the cost. And I think that's that almost that like organic traction you can't pay for. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that, yeah, just it goes back to like, gym, like going, when we talk about Gymshark, it's like, 
the whole organic side of things is uh, again we're, we're not there to sell a pair of leggings you know what I mean mm-hmm. we're there to unite the conditioning community and that's our purpose and everything always has to talk back to that purpose so I think because we focus on a a mission statement a brand led purpose and building a community the organic growth we see is so much stronger than what other businesses would see because if people are just trying to pay for it you're just forcing it you know what I mean there's no there's no real reasoning behind why people would purchase a brand or post about a brand or represent the brand so I think it's because we're really we, we focus on our North Star and focus on, on having a purpose of uniting the conditioning community it's not about selling X amount of pairs of leggings or sports bras per year you know what I mean and I think they're, they're the two mm-hmm. different business models we're, we're building a brand others are building companies or building um building businesses to to value and sell at x amount you know what i mean or to hit revenue yeah, targets yeah, yeah. that's that's not what we're about you know what i mean and and i think that that's why we can we can go on and see this organic growth because we're focusing on the community element we're focusing on on just making this incredible brand that helps people yeah have you read the uh, shoe dog the book by phil uh-huh. knight yeah yeah you definitely there's some elements right of that that i think they built out specifically the running movement in like the 70s and 80s right yeah, back like in they Oregon. really built up yeah um so, so I, I i read a i read a quote the other day and it's been it's stuck with me for so long because we, we were having loads of great like internal conversations within the the on our on our brand board so a lot of the senior leaders in brand uh and again, talking back to like people who you know surround yourself with, with like-minded individuals, and one of the things that always talks back to me, and I feel like it's it's quite, you, you see it with like Brewdog, you see it with Patagonia, you see a lot a lot of companies now really staying true to their purpose. But purpose unlocks bold moves, and I think that's really really important because again, uh, that allows you if you have a purpose and you have a north star and you stay true to that, I think a lot of great things will come off the back of it. And I think, like I was saying to you, with our growing pains. There's plenty of times and opportunities for or distractions to move us away from from what our, our purpose was. But because we had this purpose and this focus as a brand, it allowed it allowed us to stay to stay focused and keep keep moving forward through all the, the, the distractions. Yeah. It's tough. I mean it's tough to come up with a purpose as a brand that people can get behind and that also doesn't feel you know, um, inauthentic, right? That doesn't mm-hmm. feel fake or forced. So it's cool. The, I heard a phrase, I've said this, I think I need to stop saying that, uh, that I really dug, which was, uh, God, it was just yesterday. It's like, until people start making fun of it, uh, then it hasn't stuck, right? So yeah. it sounds like that phrase internally has gotten to the point where like everybody knows what it is. And now it probably gets made fun of every once in a while, but like this is the mission, right? And yeah. everybody's on board and knows, knows the direction they're heading. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk. These are kind of hard numbers, and then we'll get into some fun questions. And I think I've almost taken an hour of your time already. So, uh, so for you guys, kind of hard KPIs. Do you guys have any hard KPIs that you think about when you're working with influencers and the the kind of the broader community, or is it more? You know, is that not as important for you guys? I think having having measurements, quantifiable and qualitative, like. Uh, goals and, and, and measurements is important. You, you need to have something to be able to refer back to. But I think it comes back to like when it works, like when, when, it, when you're talking about like different partnerships or different campaigns, I think every, every partnership serves its own purpose and has it, it should have its own goal. Uh, likewise, every campaign should have its own, own goal and objective. So 
I think as, as we've grown as a brand, it becomes harder to have set KPIs or set numbers uh, to put across the, the, entire, the entire roster or ecosystem. But there, there's definitely ways we look at things to kind of quantify or, or measure how we're doing. So like, again, use, using the, the Tribe Dynamics platform to understand kind of what's our share of voice in the market, looking at like the, how many views we're, we're, we're receiving on a monthly basis, uh, engagements, impressions, all that sort of stuff. But then equally looking at your sentiment as well, looking at brand sentiment. Yeah. Uh, it's this whole thing of, you know, I mean, you could, you could get an influencer to post a, a standard picture in your product. And yes, you can call that brand awareness, but like how many people have, have truly registered that image or video or like, or your brand, you know what I mean? I think this is where it comes back to like content needs to truly be authentic, captivating, engaging, and to have a purpose. Uh, so yeah, you know, I mean, there, there is there is those measurements and KPIs you you look at to to give you a broad overview. So when I'm sitting down with other other stakeholders within the business, you know, I mean, I do have numbers to to talk back to. But equally, you can't let the numbers kind of uh, can't let the, the the numbers decide what you do. You know, I mean, they can't dictate what yep. you do. Uh, yeah, and that's the difficulty. That's the balance you you, you need to have. And I, I think myself my position within the, the business. I think that's, they're, they're the, the, the conversations I need to, or I, I should be having, or I am having, uh, yeah. around that, that balance between the numbers don't dictate what we do, because ultimately, again, our purpose here is to unite the conditioning community. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, let's get to a couple fun end of show questions, and then we'll, uh, we'll move on, end our Friday. Uh, cool. So, um, I... So you've been spending a lot of time traveling, right, between the U.S. Yeah. and Europe, and uh, I'm a big uh, beer fan, right? So I'd love to know: Do you prefer European beer or U.S. beer? What's your preference? Well, I'm a Guinness man. You know what I mean. Okay, I wouldn't be much of an okay. Irish man if I wasn't a, <laughs> if I wasn't a Guinness man. So <laughs> uh, no. So yeah, like normally I, I I drink Guinness, but if I was to drink beer. Yeah, that's it's, funny that you don't I, even I, call Joe, it Guinness I like American beer. beer. It's like there's Guinness and then there's beer. Yeah, well, yeah, that's it. Guinness is a stout, man. You know what I mean? It's 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 a different kettle of fish. It's you know what I mean it's that creaminess you don't get in a beer anyway. But uh, oh, no, I yeah, I, I'd probably I, I like American beer. You know what I mean? Because you know I mean I've spent so much time in the states over the last couple of years, so you kind of acquire a taste to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean that's uh, they're making some good stuff out here. So we'll do one more kind of U.S. versus Europe yeah. question here. So I know you're a big sports fan, and you played sports growing up. Yep. Um, have you been able to adopt any of the U.S. sports, any basketball or football, or is it still is it still all actual football? What's the uh, what what's the what's the verdict? Yeah. So uh, I grew up playing football, which to the Americans yep. is soccer, and and I yeah. grew up I played basketball all my life. So I've always, I've oh, okay. always okay. yeah I've always played basketball all my life. Uh, so whenever I can get over to the US, yeah, it's always great to be able to watch like some of the college games and watch some of the NBA games at a normal time and not having to, to stay up till all hours. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Well, I really appreciate you taking out the time, Callum. I know I learned a lot today and um, I know people are really going to dig this one. So no, I appreciate, I appreciate you taking out the time. Yeah, for us and for them. Um, and yeah, and happy Friday. Thanks. Thanks again. Cheers, Connor. Thanks very much, mate. All right. Bye, Callum. Hit subscribe now. Earned by Tribe Dynamics. Tribe Dynamics unlocks your social media influencer community. 
Our platform not only tracks and measures your best influencer relationships, but discovers new influencers to grow your business through earned media. Get started with a demo today at tribedynamics.com. Tribedynamics.com.